Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for the message today will come from the gospel lesson. Hear again these words. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here ends our text. You may be seated. I'd also invite you to follow along, if that's your thing, on the sermon outline on page 5 in your bulletin. But today, I want you to imagine a first century master of ceremonies, or MC for short. You know, the MC is the guy who is at events, kind of welcomes guests to the party or event, keeps the event moving. And we see MCs, whether it's on TV, like shows like the, the Oscars or the Grammys, or even sports, or even community events like weddings or uh, marathons or a bunch of different things. So I want you to imagine a first century master of ceremonies at the wedding of Cana, who after greeting the guests says, and now I would like to introduce to you the man of the hour, Jesus of Nazareth. And as people raise their hands to applaud, and as their eyes follow the MC's hand to the left, there's no Jesus No applause, only silence. Today, as we look at the wedding of Cana, we hear that Jesus is the man of the hour in many ways, but never to draw attention to himself, never for applause. For Jesus was the man of the hour in Cana, where he used a small miracle, if there can ever be such a thing, for a relatively small problem, although it was a big problem for the wedding couple. And he did this to point three years down the road where he, his hour would come on the cross where he used a much bigger miracle to solve a much bigger problem. Now, really, no one really knew that Jesus was the man of the hour at this wedding, For only the servants who helped Jesus with the water and the disciples really knew what happened. For a big problem happened at this wedding. They ran out of wine. You see, in Jesus' day, weddings, rather than being a celebration that lasts an evening, they lasted the entire week. Can you imagine that? Celebrating somebody's wedding for an entire week? So if someone were to run out of wine, that would be a huge embarrassment. And Mary, Jesus' mother, is aware of this situation, so she informs Jesus of the problem. Now one of our issues that we may have upon hearing this text again may be Jesus' response to his mother. For responding to his mother, he says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is has not yet come. 
Now to us, in our usage of the language, woman kind of sounds disrespectful or rude, doesn't it? Or at the very least, a way that you shouldn't talk to your mother. But in those days, the term woman, the phrase woman, was actually a pretty common and respectful greeting. And we could see through the usage that Jesus uses when he says woman instead of mother, we can see that he's looking at a big picture. When he's pointing three years down the road, when he would use the exact same phrase when he is on the cross, and he entrusts Mary, his mother, to the disciple John, so that he would care for him, for her. And he says the same thing, Woman, behold your son. Now, although this is not a disrespectful greeting, it is a bit unusual. And Jesus used this purposely, for in this instance, to address Mary not only as his mother, but also as his disciple. For he was looking ahead to the hour that would come. For he says, my hour has not yet come. Not this time. Not yet. For Jesus, he didn't come to this earth to solve relatively small problems like running out of wine at a social event like a wedding. And we are given the evidence that Mary is not offended by this response, by her immediate action. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And you know what happens next. The servants fill six stone jars full of water and they become wine. Now we are told this is between 120 to 180 gallons of wine that Jesus produces. And it's the best wine that anyone has ever tasted. So if anyone were to be the man of the hour, it would be Jesus for saving this entire event and the embarrassment that would ensure because of the couple running out of wine. But there is no applause, no attention. Hardly anybody knew Jesus' hour had not yet come. Now, if we compare this miracle of changing water into wine to all the other miracles that Jesus performed, like walking on water, raising the dead, healing the sick, this miracle may sound like a rather small one. But John reminds us that this relatively small miracle was a big sign. For John says, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And our first sermon outline note for you today is, when Jesus, when he did miracles, whether they were small or large, they were not for applause, but they were signs pointing to him as the Son of God, the man of the hour, so to speak. But not yet. His hour had not yet come. Not yet, anyway. But we know that shortly, three years later, Jesus' hour would come, wouldn't it? And this is the hour that Jesus alludes to when he is talking to his mother, the hour when the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Jesus' hour finally did come. 
And all the signs, all the miracles that he did throughout his life pointed to this hour where Jesus as God's son was put upon the cross. And again, there was no applause, only mocking. Now there was a tension this time, surely, but only to watch him suffer and die. Now in contrast to the wedding at Cana, where Jesus solved a a smaller problem with a smaller miracle, this time Jesus solved a big problem with a big miracle. And what is that problem that Jesus solved? Well, the problem is sin. Sin is your big problem, and sin is my big problem. And I think we can really say that we are the true people of the hour when it comes to our sin. Our sin was what caused Jesus to go to this cross. We are the people who had the spotlight on us as Jesus died to take away all of our sins. We are the ones guilty, and we brought Christ to the hour of death. Now today, we are taught in society and in our greater culture that sin is not really that big of a deal. That sin may just be somebody's other opinion or a different point of view. And especially on this Life Sunday, where we celebrate the sanctity and the value of human life, we are reminded again of how sin has distorted our view of life. Instead of honoring life from the moment of conception all the way until life's end, we are told that life can be given or taken based on what is the most convenient or to advance scientific research. And this only takes us away from a robust, full biblical understanding of what it really means to live as a human being of all people who have been created in the image of God For life is very valuable to God. Life is precious to God. And the fact that life is precious to God should not surprise us, given Jesus' first miracle that he performs on this earth. For the first miracle that Jesus ever does is not healing tons of people, not feeding thousands, not raising people from the dead, but for providing wine at a party. Now, by saying this, I am by no means trying to diminish the importance and the amazing fact of changing water into wine, for this miracle shows Jesus' mastery over creation itself. And the couple, if Jesus wouldn't have done this, would have had a lot of embarrassment. But I think it would be valuable to us to take a look at this miracle And see how Jesus even came to the aid of a much smaller problem. And compared to all of the other miracles Jesus performed, say the consequences, say if he wouldn't have agreed to change this water into wine, they would have been rather small, wouldn't they? Now, surely there would have been a lot of embarrassment, but it's not like people would have died or remained sick or anything like that, there is a lot less of a consequence if Jesus didn't choose to do this miracle. 
And this is why I think this miracle Jesus did and the first one that he ever did on earth can be a comfort to us as Jesus cared about the big things, but also the small things in life. For Christ shows by this miracle that he cares about all aspects of life. For just think for a moment of the disciples and their interaction with Jesus that was further shaped by Jesus acting on this and performing this miracle. For right away, Jesus showed them that nothing was too small, that they could come to Jesus and ask for his help. No request was too small, too insignificant, that Jesus wouldn't take note. And the same is true for us today. No need of yours, no need of mine is too small that we can't come to Jesus and ask for help. No struggle, no trial, no difficulty is too insignificant to come to our Lord and ask for help. And we also know that we can come to Jesus not only in the small things, but also the big things in our life. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because Jesus came to tackle the big issues, the big problems in our life, and especially the big problem of sin. This is when Jesus came and faced sin head on and defeated the wages of sin, which is death, when he went to the cross to take away all of our sins so we wouldn't have to, for we couldn't. And we need this Jesus. You need this Jesus, and I need this Jesus, who became the man of the hour for you and for me, who died so that we may be forgiven. And since we have been forgiven and have been given a new life in Christ, we have some hours to put in ourselves. We have been called as the body of believers to live as Christ's hands and feet to a broken world. And how do we do that? How do we live as Christ's body? Well, I think since it is Life Sunday, and since through the miracle at Cana, we hear that Jesus cared about small issues as well as the big ones, I think we can take a cue from him. For Jesus cared a lot about life, human life, and all aspects to it. For he himself lived a life as a human being, walked the walk that we go through in our lives, and he died and all throughout his life, we hear incredible examples of how he cared for all types of individuals. The diseased, the hurting, the young, the old, tons of people. He cared for them. He loved them. And I think for us today, in our world, our care should be likewise. As his body as we go out and encounter people that may be experiencing and wrestling with life issues, perhaps we can be the hands who point to Christ, who shows that he is the one who can lift 
and bear all of life's burdens, for he died for all of them. He cared about all of them, and so should we. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.